My name is Harrison Wheeler, and this is Technically Speaking. This show is recorded live in San Francisco and produced in collaboration with Dave Clark at Studio Pod Media. Our show coordinator is Deanna Marinci, with additional editing and music presented by Notalab. This episode of Technically Speaking is sponsored by Automatic, the people behind WordPress.com, Jetpack, WooCommerce, Tumblr, and more. Automatic's 1,400 people hail from 79 countries and speak 99 languages. Their open source software products democratize publishing and commerce so that anyone with a story can tell it and anyone with a product can sell it, regardless of income, gender, politics, language, or country. More than 1 billion people use Automatic products every month. Automatic also contributes directly to WordPress, the open source project that powers over 40% of websites on the internet. If you're ambitious, energetic, and driven by a passion to help people, you can make a visible, profound, and lasting difference working at Automatic. Visit automatic.com to check out the latest job listings today. That's A-U-T-O-M-A-T-T-I-C.com. Hey, everybody. My name is Harrison Wheeler. I am the host of Technically Speaking, and I'm glad to have Jay Dimitillo on the show, lead designer at Grab. How are you doing, Jay? What's up, Harrison? Nice to see you, man. How are you doing? Good, good, man. So it's midnight there in Singapore. That is correct. I appreciate the dedication to come on the show. <laughs> yeah, no worries. My neighbors are actually karaoke right now. You probably can't hear it, but I can hear it. It's, it's hilarious. Oh, no. No, I definitely hear it, which means that our listeners are going to hear it. So (laughs) you should tell your neighbor tomorrow, like, yo, you're being broadcasted on the internet from your karaoke skills. They need to chill, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Is this something that you deal with like all the time? No, because I'm usually the one that has karaoke parties. So to be honest, I think I started it. (laughs) Nice. Nice, nice. So, Jay, why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about yourself? What's your five-minute pitch? Yeah, sure. So, my name is Jay. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Grew up to my parents who immigrated from the Philippines. They all encouraged me to pretty much go into the medical field, which is very Filipino or very Asian in general. I was pretty much the black sheep where I ended up actually going into design. And I studied at a small school, State University of Purchase which is near, uh, I guess, north of New York City. And mind you, I graduated in like 2009. So it was like print design, right? Pretty much I had a wild career just to keep it short. I pretty much evolved with the trends in in the design world where after I graduated, I actually got an animation job doing live animation graphics for television. Then I moved to San Francisco pretty much. Uh, I actually took a presentation job, which sounds crazy, but... I actually worked at an agency. They are well-known for doing all the keynotes for Apple and, and working with Steve Jobs, which is pretty dope. And then, obviously, presentations, the design, you know, for me, didn't really vibe. So I actually went to a couple agencies, and I ended up in a few companies, Twitter, Pinterest, to name a few. And I really, I guess I got sick of Silicon Valley for a little bit and moved to Asia. So now I'm here in Singapore, uh, lead designer at Grab, where I, I used to work on Grab Food, which is the equivalent of like Uber Eats. And now I'm on the safety team, which deals with like all these emergency experiences or educating drivers on the platform and to drive safer. 
Awesome. Awesome. So tell me, what was that transition like moving from like the Silicon Valley Bay Area to Singapore? And, and what has the design scene sort of been like there? It was painful for sure when I first moved here. And I know you um, also mentioned like why I moved here as well on the back, right? Like, so pretty much I moved here not just for job, for but for love. <laughs> so oh, my, girl- okay. <laughs> my girlfriend at the time was out here and uh, she's Indonesian. Unfortunately, things didn't work out, but that's why I actually ended up out here. But speaking of which, the job and whatnot, the design scene is pretty nascent. It's pretty small. It needs more talent, more leadership to step up. And in general, like I think the education scene in Asia just needs to be a little bit better because the, the you know, the it's not like San Francisco, like example, like San Francisco has got a rich culture, obviously. There's a lot of talent there. Out here, I think we're lacking in a lot of those, you know, events like SF Design Week. I mean, there is a Singapore Design Week, but it's not the same. There's not a lot of known companies that, you know, show up to like student shows. So I think there needs to be more leadership in terms of us cultivating that in relationship with the students, with the schools, and with the design scene in general, and having more events because it's not there yet. Have you been doing any of that yourself? Yes, I was. I was doing it for a while before COVID. So I was actually hosting a bunch of events. Actually, my friends flew all the way from San Francisco here because you know a lot of the companies are now moving out here from Netflix to Facebook to uh, Indeed's like one of them. I know it's competitive LinkedIn, but you know they all came out here and they actually spoke, which is pretty awesome. And that happened like every other month. Uh, I was hosting. They were they were called Shift. Actually, is the it was the pretty much shift the focus of design in Southeast Asia. So that's why I called it Shift. And I had those events and they were pretty cool. Most of the community like remembers me for it. And now, obviously, we can't do that. So all the events are now moved to um, Twitter Spaces or Clubhouse in general. Yeah. So Shift, is that, is that also, don't you have a podcast at that same kind of name? Or is that just the recording of the events? That's just the recording of the events in general. Ah, okay. There was a club called Shift is on on Clubhouse. But I I have a podcast that's totally different from that in general. (laughs) Oh, okay. Is it design-oriented? Like, what's the general vibe of the pod? Oh, yeah. No, that's a great question. So my podcast actually covers how tech impacts culture. In countries that aren't really spoken about, I think if you come out here, Indonesia is usually spoken a a lot about, same with the Philippines. So I actually try to interview countries, uh, interview people in countries like Myanmar, Cambodia, Kazakhstan, like I'm looking into all these countries. And right now I'm in season one of Myanmar. So I have seven episodes Well, three is supposed to come out, but I've been lagging because of so much work. So I'm on my plate, man, but they're coming out. They will be coming out. And yeah, I'm probably going to do either 10 to 15 episodes Myanmar. It's been hard because obviously if you've been following the news, Myanmar is in a state of lockdown. (laughs) There's no internet. But the people that I've been, I've been interviewing is, is fascinating. So yeah, there's there's a lot to learn and I won't spoil it, but it's a good tease if anyone wants to check it out. It's called Traces and it, you can find it on Spotify or Apple. Awesome. So so look, we were talking about shifts and Clubhouse and spaces. So fun fact is that Jay and I connected on Clubhouse, whether it be in rooms that he was hosting or rooms that I hosted. And we were actually talking just about like, 
how it feels like that connection, that auditory connection has felt a lot closer than, say, a formal Zoom interview. So I'm going to ask you this. What do you prefer so far? Do you prefer Clubhouse or Spaces? And what are some of the things you like about one versus the other? Man, it's hard right now because, you know, I I still got that Twitter love because obviously I, I used to work at Twitter. But right now, finding rooms or knowing if like a spaces is happening is sort of a pain in the butt. Also, like, I do like the interface, like where you can like, you know, heart, send emojis if you react. You'll also share a post uh, or share a link, which is dope because everyone can see what you're talking about. Right. And you can scroll left and right. But to be honest, right now, like I know there's like this weird exodus right now with Clubhouse because everyone's now like back to real life in the States <laughs> a little bit. But I'm still in Clubhouse still. I'm still, you know, waving that flag because to be honest, like I have built a lot of my connections on Clubhouse. And like you said, it's interesting because like the people I would have never met before, like you uh, or like Chris Toms or our mutual like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, our mutual friend. On Clubhouse, like I wouldn't have met you guys in general. And it's weird, like we just connected and like there's something very honest about hearing someone's voice, right? And that's why I think that's why you and I do podcasts in general. There's something nice about hearing and listening. And I think we find it more comfortable than like, let's say, like reading a text or tweeting all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's there's less of a barrier, right? You can kind of come by yourself and there's something nice about just the prompt, like in that time to really kind of just kind of riff off of like, there's not pressure to sort of necessarily have a TED talk, if you will, which I feel like has kind of been the case around conversations around design technology. It almost feels like it it has to be very academic, but if anything, it's, it's a great way to just get the discussion going and, and spark more conversations. Exactly. And I, I think that's the the beauty of Clubhouse, right? Because you and I could be having a conversation about, I don't know, design leadership. And then John Maida just shows up into the room, right? Oh, or yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Knapp shows into the room and it's like, oh, wait, like, hold on, let's bring him up. <laughs> so yeah. there's something magical about that experience, right? So yeah, it, it's crazy when you read someone's book and then they just show up and you're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> It does bring a level of accessibility that, you know, felt very out of touch because I, I can I can reflect back, you know, back in those print days when you're looking at like a keynote or you're reading something off the Internet, it feels so far away. Right. And I think to really be talking to the designers that have had a lot of just like impact during those formative years of your design career, I think it's, it's very, very fascinating. I hope it's something that continues after all of this, you know, after all the pandemic sort of wraps up. Are you seeing more participation or engagement with folks in Asia than you are in the U.S.? I understand, like, we're on different timelines, right, as far as how life goes. (laughs) So are you seeing the engagement still pretty strong out there? Engagement in what terms? Are you talking about interaction in real life? Yeah, just like, just like, no, 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 no. I mean, like on your virtual like clubhouses, like oh, dude. are more people sort of tuning in? Like, nah, man, it's weird. And, and I think this, it comes down to, again, I think Southeast Asia and Asia in general, right? Everyone, and I'm not saying you, but like a lot of people think, you know, it's easy for us to get along with each other. There is definitely, 
how you say cultural differences between each country and how we perceive design or how we perceive conversations, right? And you can tell with, I'm not trying to generalize, but like you can tell most people just come to listen from out here. And there are very few people that are very confident to come on stage and, and speak out. So it is very tricky to engage with folks in general, because like if I try to have an event, people don't want to have an organized, like almost like a Zoom like event, right? They don't want to come to a Zoom talk, even if I organize it like a week in advance. They just want to make it spontaneous. They just want to chat to people that they trust or, or leaders, right? But it's weird because the, the engagement rate has gone down, even though more people have been coming on because Android came out. And, you know, as you know, like a lot of Android users are actually out here. So it's been fascinating for me because I've just been just, you know, I got to the point where I'm just like, I just show up into rooms where I'm just supporting my friends and they'll, I'll just be there. <laughs> but like, yeah. if, if I hold an event, it'll be very specific. And I think people will not turn up to it because... Not not here, here in general, because they know I'm like a little bit westernized. So I think I'm getting that vibe, which I've struggled with for a while. The, the cultural balance between the West and the East is very difficult. And as I mentioned, it is a little bit painful in the beginning. So it is weird to uh, get that vibe in general. But, you know, I worked through it. Yeah, yeah. So, so speaking of that, I want to kind of dive into that a little bit more. So we've obviously been talking about like the social aspect of it, right? But how does that show up like in your day-to-day in the way that you work? Like what are some of the more standout cultural differences that you start to really notice in sort of like the product design process? Oh yeah, for sure. So, I mean, one thing is definitely communication. I think the radical candor that exists out in Silicon Valley does not exist out here. And I think I've mentioned to you once, like where when I first moved here, I, I definitely tried doing that and it didn't go <laughs> too well. I got dragged in general after that. My, my boss is like, you need to chill, man. Like this is not <laughs> Silicon Valley and, you know, not everyone is a Westerner. So there, there is a, you know, a cadence on how you speak, uh, the, the rules engagement, right? And how you, you know, align people, get everyone on the same page. And then in terms of design process, now, again, this is a very... Okay, I'm trying to compare because I'm also not trying to generalize because uh, I know some companies do some the same thing that China does. So in the West, right, there's the whole like, let's come together, let's ideate, let's look at the data, let's do some user research, let's maybe test it, run an A-B test, or maybe that's just, and then after that, we ship it. And then then there's the Asia model, which is like China in general, where you just ship it. <laughs> you don't You don't even like think about like the design. You're just like, yeah, we're just going to ship this. And then you're like, oh, okay, we iterate off the impact. We do some research and then we'll just ship it again. We'll just keep shipping stuff. And I know Basecamp does this, so uh, Jason Freed. So that's why I'm just like not trying to generalize because I know some companies do that. So, But that is the speed at which you know some companies work at. I know ByteDance does that, which is like TikTok. So it, it is stressful. And I think there is also a different work culture. And that's why Singapore is so interesting because... I'm not sure if you've heard of the term 996, where you work nine hours a day, six days a week, which is sort oh, of wow. nine to nine, which is nuts. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> some people work Sundays, dude. Uh, yes. And, and, you know, it happens in China a lot, but then some companies here in Singapore, some, some of the companies from China that have offices here also work that nine to nine, six days a week, which is intense, right? So that's why it's so interesting because it's a mix of like, Western and Eastern culture out here. 
Uh, yeah. And to be honest, it's 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 fascinating because I don't think it's going to be like the next Silicon Valley. I think it's just going to be this melting pot of ideals, which I, I think is even more interesting. Right. Which which Singapore is in a, right. In a sense. Right. And it's a beautiful city, by the way. I, I was there a couple of years ago oh, sick. with my girlfriend. So. Yeah, we we did the whole the cool Marina Bay Sands hotel. Yeah, <laughs> you know the the high end chicken place. Like, yeah, Damn straight. We, we we've done it all. Yeah. So before the show, we talked a little bit about the bamboo ceiling, and I'd like you to explain a little bit more about that because obviously you went there for love, but I'm I'm assuming there are also some other circumstances. So I'd love you to maybe kind of open up a little bit about that. Yeah, sure, sure. So I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, Jane Hume, she wrote a book called Breaking the Bamboo Ceiling, Career Strategies for Asians. And in general, it, it addresses like the issue that a lot of Asian Americans face, where they just feel like they are not getting anywhere in terms of going into those leadership roles, right? Very similar to like the glass ceiling, but this is obviously for the Asian Americans, right? And I, I do have some stats to drop on you, right? <laughs> so, right, according to the study, right, 25 largest Bay Area companies, 12 had no board members of Asian descent, and five had no corporate officers of Asian descent, which is sort of crazy, right? Yeah. Also, statistics show 33% of software engineers in Silicon Valley, being people of Asian descent, they make up only 6% of board members and 10% of corporate offices in Bay Area's largest companies. That's nuts. So to me... Yeah. And I felt that as a designer, I know it talked about engineers and, and other higher roles, but I felt that as a designer. And I know some people, you know, it really depends on the person's experience. And I'm not trying to say it's like that for everyone, but for me and a couple other people, we felt that. And I, I guess I also was just trying to find something interesting for myself, aside from just love. And I wanted to try something and, and, and I actually compare it to sports, right? You, you follow football, AKA soccer, or like where Ronaldo, you know, played in La Liga for so long. It's like, no, I want to go to the Italia league and just play for, you know, Juventus, right? That, that was like how I saw it as like, I want to play somewhere else and and try see how it goes. So that's what I ended up doing. And I, I, to be honest, I think it was a great move. I've learned so much in general and I've, I've learned a lot about culture and and myself. So I think if anyone gets a chance to just, you know, work internationally, definitely take it because it's something that I I cherish to my heart. And if I ever move back, I think it is something that I'll I'll remember for a long time. Have you sort of seen like your role as a leader elevate now that you've kind of gone outside of the US? Yeah, it's it's interesting because when I first got hired here, right? Grab was technically a startup. It still is technically, you know, quote unquote, a startup. Now, now we're about to IPO. And I feel like I've seen the growth of Grab in general in the past almost four years, almost four years that I've been here. So at that time, like titles, you know, didn't really matter. And then, of course, like they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're a lead, blah, blah, blah. And I'm still on IC. But I, as you know, and there's a lot of conversations about this in in our design in the design scene right now, where you start to realize how how much you actually need like a higher level IC running the show, and, yeah. and like you start like starting to embrace that, like okay, I'm going to be that power IC that gets people on board, like pushes forward projects across the organization, because I'm on a horizontal team now. On food, I was that high level IC. Now I'm on this high team that's a horizontal across all these orgs. 
So for me, I'm just, I take pride in just being a power IC. And to be honest, like Asia is not used to that. They're more used to like the managerial role, but you're starting to see that evolve sure. in some companies. So for me, I've been learning, but also like growing as in my career. So anywhere I go, dude, like uh, I think I'll be happy because everyone will just like love me for embracing that role. But also leading a product internationally is very tricky. And I think I, I pretty much you know solved it and I've learned from it. Yeah. So, so really kind of two things I take away is sort of leadership from an impact perspective across the product. And then obviously being able to work through more complex problems. This is a great sort of like connection because, you know, I had Maurice from Interact Project. That's awesome. Yeah. On last season. And you've, you've worked with Interact Project before, correct? Yeah. Mo was my boy, man. <laughs> I worked for them for almost like seven, eight years. I'm still on the the board technically, quote unquote. But, yeah. but you know, it, yeah, they're a great company. They've, they've done so much for the Bay Area and the undeserved communities. Yeah. So it, it's actually, it's funny. I've had actually a lot because I think Renee, I had her on first oh, so. season. She's, she's also on the board. But taking it back to the conversation with Mo, we actually talked a, a bit about what that means because he's a principal designer, which is also a senior yeah. level kind of IC role, right? I think for me as a as a senior manager, I love working with my senior design partners because it's a partnership. And I, I don't think a lot of people understand like that's also potential direction that people can go in. Even though you're an IC, you are a leader in that sense. So I think it's great that, you know, you're able to kind of speak to that and people have a, a better idea of sort of what that might entail. Oh, dude. Yeah, for sure. I think you know, it's all about craftsmanship, but also if you're a senior IC, you're storytelling the whole project from beginning to end. And I think that's one thing that, you know, a lot of young designers need to work on as well, because they don't, they don't really understand the soft skills. And as they grow older, right, or more senior in general, they have a path. They can either become a manager, they may be like more comfortable that way managing people because they may not be you know, too strong in the craftsmanship skills. And that's not to say most managers aren't, but, you know, managers don't want to do the work, right? They're just like having other people push forward things for you. But, you know, when you are a manager, right, you need that person that's like, you know, taking charge, the captain of the ship and owning the project, right? And you need that person with that skill, that craftsmanship skill, but also selling it. So you don't have to come to those meetings, right? You don't need to, you know, you have confidence in this person, like he's got it. I'll just be in the back, just sipping my tea. And, you know, if anyone has anything to say, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be backing my boy up, right? So, I mean, I think, yeah. you know, if, if you're a manager, those senior IC level folks, they really make things comfortable for you in general because you don't have to worry about it. You don't even have a second thought. You're just like, he's got it. I don't even have to worry, right? And he's going to mentor and help grow the team. He, he, he thinks about all these different things. And, and for me, you know, I think I've learned so much, but also leading different cultures into, you know, designing a process. And that I think that's hard as a manager. If you haven't managed that ever before, that is very difficult. So for me, like whenever I transition to, you know, managing a team or whatnot, I think I'll be very comfortable doing it because at least I, I went through those, you know, those wars, those battles in general. Yeah. And then, you know, when it comes to people management, there's a, a little bit more paperwork that you have to do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's a matter if you want to do that or not, right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. 
The future of work is here at Automatic. The people behind WordPress.com, Jetpack, WooCommerce, Tumblr, and more. Join a team of diverse global perspectives. Create the work environment and schedule that empowers you to perform at your very best. At Automatic, what matters is the work you produce, not how many hours you put in. Work from anywhere you choose. There are automatications working right now in 79 countries around the globe. The intellectual and cultural diversity that results is critical to the company's success. Automatic believes in constant learning and offers mentorship and personal coaching to support your growth. As a small company with a huge footprint, Automatic offers you the chance to have an impact and make a difference. If you're ambitious, energetic, and driven by a passion to help people, you can make a visible, profound, and lasting difference working at Automatic. Visit automatic.com to check the latest job listings. That's A-U-T-O-M-A-T-T-I-C.com. So look, I'm going to switch a little bit. I want to go back to the 969. Is that what it is? 996, 996, yeah. 996. So how do you maintain balance with that type of working structure? Dude, so we're lucky. Like, Grab does not do that. That's not to say our Beijing office doesn't do it. They do it. Um, and I, when I went up to the Beijing office pre-COVID, luckily, I didn't have to do it. But my engineers, man, they work super hard. So I have so much love for them. I love my Beijing engineering team. I miss those folks. They worked. Those are crazy, that crazy uh, schedule, as I mentioned. And I think that's the hardest part. They just grind. And I, and the design team up there, I think they worked to 996. I'm not sure. But they are working and sending like updates on Slack in general. I think what's, that's the benefit of having a design team up there because they're with the engineering team, right? So you don't have to really worry. It's just the communication, like the updates on like what's happening in this phase, what's what's going on with the build, did you guys QA it, uh, all this stuff. But I think in terms of you know actually working that, oh dude, you need you they they actually have siestas during the day to sleep and then they go back to work. So that's a thing out here. They they actually wow. they sleep during after lunchtime. Or some of them just sleep randomly and no one will bat an eye. It, it's it's a thing. Wow. Is that just due to it being a startup or that's just kind of the lay of the land at this point? That's the lay of the land. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I imagine that must have been extremely hard, right? Because I, I feel at least in the Bay Area, there's a lot of conversation around wellness and work-life <laughs> balance. I'd assume those are not themes that go around sort of like the tech world out there? It's happening in Singapore. I can say that. Singapore has been good about it. But that's sure. not to say we can't control, we can't control companies, right? You, you know, people right. are going to, people are going to work hard regardless. So, and managers are going to manage. So I think it will happen, but that is the lay of the land. I think China, I think some companies are starting to go that way route, to be honest, but it's going to take a while. I don't think it's going to change for for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So look, man, there's there's so much going on in the work life outside of that. Like what's on top of mind for you right now? Oh, dude, I'm actually on this on the side, I'm hustling. I'm actually making my own shoes. Wow. Making my own shoe brand for for Southeast Asia. So that's the top of mind right now. I'm not sure like about you, like like a pair of Jays? Yeah, a pair of Jays. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, your pair of jays. I'm not sure about you, but like I, I actually, you know, I'm exhausted with like looking at screens to be honest. So yeah, I took a class. The dude, he, I guess he's done a lot of Nike custom shoes, and I literally built my own pair of Nikes from the ground up. You can follow me on Twitter if, you, if you've seen it. I am, I'm going to soon post the whole entire time lapse, almost the entire time lapse of, of me working on the shoe. Now I'm getting more material actually sent to me and I'm making two more prototypes. So that, and I'm wow. slowly, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I'm building up to my, my own brand. I'm giving myself a year and, uh, yeah, I already have factories lined up, dude. It's, it's nuts. So what? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah. this is amazing. Is this like a passion thing or is it just like, I want to learn more about like the process. It's driven by learning or is it driven by like, I've always wanted to do this. Tell me, tell me where the thing comes from. Yo, that's a great question, Harrison. It was weird. Like, so when I, you know, I, you know, Nike.com, like you build your own custom J's, right? And you get them, you're just like, oh, these are awesome. But then something in my head is like, why don't you just make your own J's, <laughs> right? And I was like, yeah, what if I just do, do it myself? And then I took the class with like no hesitation. And this happened like maybe two months ago. And, you know, like as much as hard as it was, I was actually down. I was like, this is amazing. This is awesome. Like I'm getting through this thing. Uh, and I did it within a month. And I think now wow. it's just like a passion now. It's just like, yeah, let's do it. Like I'm down to make my next pair. So I'm going crazy. And the thing is like for me, I'm, I'm trying to be more very eco-friendly. So I'm actually trying to build sustainable shoes for Southeast Asia. We'll see if it ever gets to the States, but I'm trying to be more friendly with the earth, obviously. So we'll see what happens in, in terms of material. Wow, that's amazing. It's inspiring. So, you know, the next Yeezy brand <laughs> is going to come from Jay Dimitri. Wait, what are you going to call them? Oh, no, great question. So I already have the brand name and everything. My friend's working on the logo. <laughs> like, I was, is, that... is it too early for the listeners to, to oh, get no. a sneak peek on the name? Nah, man, the, the name is Udara. U-D-A-R-A. Udara is Malay for, oh, shoot. <laughs> Udara is Malay for the air. And then in Sri Lankan, it means great. So, wow. So, air greats? Air greats. Great, great air. Great air. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the output of eco friendly is great air. So, you've, you've got something going. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, look, I, I want to probably towards the, the end of the show. Is there any piece of advice that you want to leave for designers or design practitioners before we we in the in the show? Oh man! All right, just just two things for for most for, for young designers in general, right? The soft skills matter, communication matters, and it's how you present yourself, right, and who you surround yourself with as well. So that definitely matters. But I think more importantly, right? I think there's this this concept that you know we don't have a seat at the table. I think. For me, I've said this multiple times, like there's always been a seat at the table. We just haven't sat down yet and we haven't been able to communicate with our stakeholders the right way. So the seat's there. We just haven't been able to sit down yet. So change that thought process and push stuff and learn to communicate with others. That's why soft skills matter. Awesome. Thank you. And what are some ways that people can get in touch with you? Yeah, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, um, Instagram uh, and, and Clubhouse. Asian XJ. <laughs> as funny as it is, that's a whole different story. But yeah, feel free to reach out to me there. Awesome. Well, Jay, 
again, this is a great conversation. Love the energy. Thanks for coming on the show. And I know it's pretty late slash early, depending if you're a glass half full or glass half empty person. So I want to make sure that you can get to your sleep or karaoke party as soon as possible. Thanks again. Thanks, man. No worries. And good chatting to you. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for listening. Ratings and reviews help this podcast tremendously. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'll return the favor by giving you a shout out on the show and on Instagram. AJ Kim 0822 says, this is one of my go-to podcasts to listen to while I'm driving. The cadence of Harrison's interaction with guests is great. Normally I play podcasts at 1.5 speed because the conversations can be a bit slow but not with this podcast. Harrison has such wealth of knowledge and experience, and I'm so glad he created this podcast to share it. AJ Kim, thanks for the review. This means so much. I created these segments to be as long as they were so you could listen to them on that morning walk or that drive to work. Happy to hear that you listened to it in the context that it was created for. I'm looking forward to sharing more reviews on upcoming episodes, so don't forget to submit yours today.